There are two realities that you can live in. You can either live in faith or fear. There's just two realities, because we often, though, get caught up in fear. And fear comes when we have impossible situations to deal with. Do we have any impossible situations in your life? No. Dave, you're an amazing man then. I think we all have impossible situations. There's all of us probably have a multitude of impossible situations that we're dealing with right now. We got people situations that we wish we could change and we can't do anything about. We've got Financial situations that some of you think are just, they're overwhelming, it's impossible, there's no way it can change. There's emotional situations that you're trying, that many of you are dealing with, that you just can't change. And there are two ways for us to live in this season and any season. It's either in faith or in fear. What's causing the fear to rise up in you more than faith this morning? And Isaiah chapter 7 talks all about fear. But there's a verse in there that has been used about faith that was, talking, that was taken out and spoken of in Matthew when Jesus was born that gives us great hope that we can live in faith. We don't have to live in Fear. Isaiah chapter 7, 1 through 17 says this, In the day of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in a league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people, shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint, because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin, and within sixty-five years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people." And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, and let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to test. And he said then, Hear, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. 
The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the days day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is a very fearful situation. There's a lot of words in there, different names. So just to read through it, sometimes we can rush right through it. So we've got to slow down. We're just going to go through this account. This account of King Ahaz is an extremely fearful situation. King Ahaz is the king of Israel. There was the 12 tribes of Israel, and they separated. The 10 tribes went north. In the north, they were the northern kingdom. And then there was the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin. They became the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And above them was to look it up. That just slipped my mind for a second. Above them was the king. I'll come to you. It'll come to me. Uh, That was trying to conquer the king of Judah. And they wanted to destroy him. Tiglath-Pleser was the king of Assyria. And Assyria was coming down and they wanted to destroy the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom got very afraid because the king of Assyria was extremely great. And they knew that left to themselves, they would not be able to stop the king of Assyria. So they came up with a plan. The northern kingdom said, what we'll do is we will go down, we will attack the southern kingdom. We will attack Judah. And we will set up this other king in his place and we will make them fight for us so that we can stand. So here is King Ahaz. And he's scared to death, it says. When he heard that the northern kingdom was going to come to attack them and take him out. It says he shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. He was extremely terrified of this impossible situation that he was going to deal with. There was no way out of this. He didn't know what to do. There was much pressure on King Ahaz. Just like there is much pressure on some of you right now. Much pressure with your impossible situations. You feel like somebody's coming to attack you. You feel like your situation is about being ready to be crushed. And you're not sure what to do. Are you going to be fearful? Or are you going to live in faith? And God came to, I, to King Ahaz and he sent the prophet Isaiah over 2,700 years ago. And he said, live in faith, not in fear. And it's the same thing that he's telling us today. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. Even in the midst of impossible situations, and extremely possible, fearful situations. And so God sent Isaiah to him. He said, listen, go to the king and prophesy and tell him this. Tell him not to be afraid. And so Isaiah went with his son. And his son's name was Shir Jashub, which means a remnant shall remain, which doesn't make the king's situation any better. Because here's Ahaz, he is scared to death that he's going to get attacked, he's scared that he's going to lose his kingdom, he's going to be killed, There's somebody else is going to be replaced in his place to help stop the Assyrians from coming to destroy them. He's going to lose everything. And if he loses everything, if Judah is destroyed, the promise of God is going to be destroyed as well. There's a lot of pressure on Ahaz. And so he leaves, and it says he goes out and he checks the upper pool of the highway. If a kingdom was going to get attacked, 
They sometimes would sneak in and they would go through the water systems. Or if they couldn't get in, they would cut off the water supply. And so he is scared that he's going to be attacked. And so he goes to look at the water supply. And God says, You're going to go, go, Isaiah. Go find Ahaz. And you're going to find him by the pool, checking out the water supply. Because he's scared. And he's going to be destroyed. He thinks. And tell him not to be afraid. And Isaiah comes with his son, whose name is the remnant that shall remain. And the king hears his son's name, and he knows that this isn't good. This is not good. If the prophet's son is a remnant shall remain, that means something's going to happen first. You have to have a remnant come back. So it's a very dark situation that King Ahaz is in, just like some of you are in now. Your life is very cloudy, very dark, very frustrating. It's impossible. You're scared to death, and you're living in fear. Don't rush past that. Because that's where Ahaz was. And it was a real situation. But God came to him. And God says, listen, Ahaz, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. In a few years, these kings that are trying to kill you, that are trying to wipe you out, they're not even going to exist anymore. Don't be afraid. It's not going to happen. Stand firm. He says, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. Within 65 years, this is all just going to be gone. Stand firm as Ahaz. Don't be afraid. And Ahaz is not convinced that what God says is true. And he's afraid. And he doesn't believe that it's not going to happen. He, he sees the armies just outside his city. He can hear them preparing. He knows it's true. It's very real to him. Just like your situation. You can see it. You can feel it. It's very real to you. And God goes an extra step for Ahaz. In verse 11, he says, And the Lord spoke to Ahaz, and he says, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. And God says, Let it be deep. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Listen, Ahaz, I'm on your side, God's saying. I'm on your side. Believe me when I tell you that this is going to be okay. Be strong. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. And if you need some help, ask me anything. I'll prove it to you. Ask me the most difficult thing. Make, it, make me prove it to you by as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. And I will prove it to you. I will show you that your situation will be okay. And God did that for Ahaz. And Ahaz, in the midst of his fearful situation, gave an unbelievably foolish response. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. It sounds really pious, doesn't it? it? Sounds like he's a real spiritual king. You know, I'm scared. You prophesy. You told me what's going to happen, God. And you know, I don't really want to test you. I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to test you at all. It sounds very pious, but it's not pious. It's absolutely foolish. He's living in utter fear. He is completely terrified. 
There's a lot at stake with Ahaz. Not just his life, but the southern kingdom, the kingdom of David. That's why it says, the house of David. He knows that from his line, the promised Messiah is to come. So if they're destroyed, the people of God are destroyed. He is under unbelievable pressure, but he makes this unbelievably foolish response in the midst of his fear. He he disguises it as piety. And maybe you're doing that this morning. Maybe you are scared to death of your impossible situation. You're absolutely fearful. But you don't want to be honest about it to yourself. You don't want to be honest about it to God. You don't want to be honest about it to anybody else. So you disguise your fear in great amounts of piety. You say all the right things. You do all the right things. You read the Bible. You go to church. You're kind. And it all looks good on the outside. You even serve in your church. or You serve in your community. And you're doing all kinds of great things. And it looks like faith. But the truth is, it's just fear. It's disguised, though, as piety. Because you're doing those things isn't because you have faith in God. You're doing those things because you think it might earn you some favor with God, or it might earn you some some leverage with God. So when you can come back to God with your impossible situation, say, listen, God, you didn't deliver me here. You made me go through this. And then, now look, though, I did all these things. Look how often I've read the Bible. Look how many verses of the month I've memorized. Look how often I've gone to church. Look how good I have been, God. Look how good I have been. Look what I've done. You've got to bless me. You have to make it go my way. That's what Ahaz was doing. Ahaz did not believe God at all. He actually completely rejected God. In 2 Kings 16, verses 7 through 9, we we actually see what took place. Isaiah came to him. Ahaz would not believe him. He said it was, he actually decided, no, I'm not going to follow God. I'm not going to follow Yahweh. We're going to go and make a bargain with the Assyrians, with our worst enemy. I'm going to pay them money to save me. I'm going to pay the king of Assyria a large amount of money, and then I'm going to have him come and fight the northern kingdom. And that's what he did. He took the situation in his own hands, and it was an unbelievably foolish response. And God says this, And he said, Then hear, O house of David, Is it too little for you to weary a man that you weary my God also? God said, ask me a sign, Ahaz. I'll show you a sign. I'll I'll show you that my word is true. And he says, no. Instead of trusting you, God, I'm going to trust your worst enemy and my worst enemy. I'm going to send them money. I'm going to do it in my own way. I'm going to take care of the situation myself. And then God says, fine, then I'm going to show you a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. When this was spoken to King Ahaz by Isaiah, it had literal interpretation for Isaiah. He wasn't thinking about Jesus at this time. He was thinking about his situation and the situation that he was in and the reality of the nation of Israel and the people of God. And so when Isaiah said, here's a sign, a virgin shall conceive it, the word in Hebrew is 
a woman of marriageable age. And there's a number of interpretations. In the next chapter 8, it talks about Isaiah getting married and having a son. And the sign for them in their time was this, that in a couple years, a baby was born, and probably the son of Isaiah. And Isaiah's son, before he was two years old, before he could eat, before he could know right from wrong, the enemy that was after Ahaz would be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened. But this sign, behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is an unbelievably faithful God. What God says to us today is the same thing that he said to King Ahaz over 2,700 years ago. Live in faith, not fear. Trust me. Take me at my word. What I say is true. But just say, you know what? I would love to do that, Paul. I try to do that, but my situation seems impossible. I am scared deeply to my core. I'm I'm shaking like a tree in this situation. I'm under so much pressure. It doesn't seem like God's with me. It doesn't seem like God's with me. Because I go through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. It doesn't seem that God is with me. But God is with us in the midst of of our greatest fear. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. While we were traveling this weekend, two things stood out for me as I was thinking about this passage and I was thinking about my own life. Do I believe what I'm about ready to say on Sundays, this Sunday? Trip for us is always entertaining. We always have some car issue that makes my life exciting. So we took off with our van, which we knew, you know, and it's good for us, it's good for me. This van might have some issues. And of course, the van had some issues. A year ago, we learned that the Bannister's vehicles have issues when we take trips, so we bought AAA. And I kept asking Teresa, Is, do you have the AAA card? Do you have the AAA card? And after our little situation, the, the van was good, it was not a big deal. I realized while I'm driving, that when she said, yeah, I have the AAA card, it dawned on me. I was relieved after I found out she had the AAA card. Because AAA was with me. I was living in fear, not faith. And I had to confess that, wait a second. Why, just because we have a AAA card in the vehicle with us, do I feel more relieved in the reality that the whole time God was with me. Why did not that relieve me like it should have? Emmanuel is with me from the time I left my driveway to the time I got back. God was with me. So I preached the gospel to myself and I said, quit worrying about the car. You're going to get home. And we did because Emmanuel was always with me. And he's always with you in the midst of your impossible situation. But you say, it seems so difficult. It seems hard. 
Well, another thing that we did on our trip was we listened to the story of The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. And the story of The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis is about a young boy who was orphaned and he was found, to, he moved into this, as a little boy, he was taken in by an old man who was just cruel to him. And then he escaped from this guy in his journey back to Narnia and the difficulties that he went through, some good times and some bad times. And all through the story, this lion is constantly coming up. Sometimes he's roaring and even hurting him. And sometimes he's like a gentle cat and protecting him. And the boy's not sure what to do. And then he finds out that the lion, Anselm, is from Narnia and has always been protecting him. And he's trying to figure out his life. And he's trying to figure out all these fears that he has. And then he realizes it and he talks to the lion about it and the lion says this. He says, I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you to do among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mill so that you should reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat, wakeful at midnight to receive you. All along your life, all along our lives, as the people of God, Emmanuel has been with us. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes it seems difficult. Sometimes our way is hard. But all along the way, God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. And he was trying to say that to King Ahaz. Listen, don't live in fear. Live in faith. Because God is with us. God had not left Ahaz to struggle on his own. And God has not left you to struggle on your own. And some of you and some of us need to take a deep breath and breathe that in. God has not left you to struggle on your own. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for welfare, not for evil. They're for, to give, for, not for evil, they're to give you a future and a hope. The sign that Ahaz had should have given him hope. He had to put his faith in it, though. He had to respond to it by faith, and he would have had the hope that he was looking for. It's the same for us. He chose foolishness. He chose not to respond to God in faith. He decided to live in fear. That's not what we have to do, because we have the hope of a greater sign. A greater child was born to us. Jesus himself came. God came incarnate in human form for us. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death we could not live. He, he took all of our sin. He's experienced everything that you've experienced. Every sorrow, every pain, every hurt, he's experienced it. And he says, I'm with you. God is with you. That's Christian hope. Someone said this, Christian hope is when God has promised that something is going to happen and you put your trust in that promise. Christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised it will come to pass. What we need to trust in is his word. This is what God said to you. He says, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. In the midst of your struggle, I am with you. So when your feelings fade, When your faith falters 
And when your future is very fuzzy, that's when you dive into Emmanuel. And you know, God is with us. Because he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The sign of Emmanuel is our hope that we don't have to live in fear, but we can live in faith. If God wasn't going to spare his own son, which he didn't, but he gave him up for us all. How with him graciously will he give us all things? What's your impossible situation? What are you struggling with? What are you fearful of? You need to run to Emmanuel, that God is with us, that God didn't spare his own son, that he gave him up for you. He suffered and died for you. He will deliver you. That's our hope, that we don't have to live in fear. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a Lutheran pastor, and he was put in prison for taking on Hitler and trying to kill Hitler during the war. And he spent two Christmases in jail. And he was in one prison where they would constantly turn the lights out. They were constantly making it miserable. It was just an absolutely dark, miserable, impossible place. And he wasn't able to see his family. He was verbally harassed. It was a miserable, depressing place to be. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this to a friend while he was in prison. He says, a prison cell like this is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things. The door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. And that's what we're waiting for. But for us, the hope is that the door has been unlocked for us. Because of what Jesus did for us, the door has been unlocked for us. We don't have to be like King Ahaz. We can live in faith. And actually, we have to live in faith as Christians. Because of what Jesus has done for us, because God is with us, we are called to live in faith. Because when God opens the door, unbelievable things happen. Lives are changed when God opens the door. When you take your impossible situation and say, I'm going to trust in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to rest in the truth of who Jesus is, what the gospel says about me and how I am to live. When you rest in that, there is no fear. Fear is, can be fought. And God does unbelievably beautiful things. This past week, Frank, Gene Weinbaugh's brother, came up from Kentucky. He's lived his life pretty much indifferent towards God. Not thinking God's all that important. But last Wednesday, a couple days, a couple weeks ago, a guy at Walmart walked up to him down at his home in Kentucky, or at Walmart in Kentucky, and said, hey, would you like to come to church? And he said, hmm, I'll go to church. So he started to go to church. Then Wednesday night, 
or Tuesday night, he was, last Tuesday, he was asleep, and he, and he woke up, and he felt that he just had to come up and see Gene. He didn't know why, he didn't know what, for what reason, but he had to go. So he wasn't even sure what to pack. So he said he, he packed all the stuff in his vehicle, uh, dress clothes, casual clothes. He wasn't sure what to bring. So he, so he packed them and he came up to visit her. And then Friday night, last Friday night, we had our all-night prayer service. And we decided to take an hour of that and go over to Jean's and pray around her. If you don't know, she, she has cancer. And so she's not able to get out as much. And so we went around and we prayed for her. And Frank was there. And he had all these questions about the Bible and about God. And he saw us pray for her. And then after the prayer time, he was talking to Dan Yeager, and Dan was answering some of his questions. He said, hey, can I meet with you Sunday? And Frank said, yeah. And so Saturday, Anita was talking to him. He had more questions about that. And then Sunday afternoon, Dan and Frank got together, and Frank trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he didn't know why. He had all these questions. Questions. I met him on Tuesday, and he'd been reading his Bible nonstop, and he was all excited about um, his new faith, that he didn't have to live in fear, that he was, had hope now, and he could understand things, and he was just like a sponge. He was unbelievably excited about his new faith in God. Who did that? Did Frank do that? Did Gene do that? Did Cornerstone Church do that because we prayed? Did Dan Yeager do that? Emmanuel did that. God with us did that. There was nothing calling Frank to himself but God. God is unbelievably faithful. He pursues us when we are faithless. He draws people to himself and he gives them new life in him. He rescues people who for over 60 years have lived their life indifferent to him. And he decides, I'm going to wake them up now to the light of the world. I'm going to show them who Jesus is. I'm going to deliver them and give them hope. So we don't have to live in fear. If God can do that for Frank, he can do it for you in your situation. He can take your unbelievable, impossible situation and absolutely turn it around because Emmanuel is with us. God is with you. So we can fight for faith. We can live in faith and we don't have to live in fear because God is still faithful to his word. So as we come this morning to to communion, are you living in faith or are you living in fear? Because the sign that you don't have to live in fear is that Jesus came and he died and he rose again and he is on his throne reigning today. Mom! My-
Understand it is my song and I sing my heart.